Last week we worshiped God and just praised God because that's what he wanted. But for a couple of years now, I've been pondering this prayer of Habakkuk. You can be seated. I've been pondering it because Habakkuk prays for revival in the midst of an impure kind of society. And as he prayed for revival, he says, Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath, remember mercy. It says, God came from Timam. And it says, the glory covered the heavens, the earth was full of his praise. Before him went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. And I've been thinking about this for two years. And I've been asking God to show me what this verse means. Before him went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. And doesn't refer to what he did in the Exodus because there was no pestilence. It doesn't refer to the coming of Christ. I believe God showed me this is referring to Habakkuk is having a view of the end time coming of Christ. Pestilence goes before him. I believe the pestilence we're seeing in the world is a forerunner to the return of Jesus. I believe Jesus is going to return so, so soon. And the reason that pestilence is allowed to go before him, it's to wake everybody up. It's to wake everybody up. To confront something, to face death, because he's so gracious. To face your mortality, to think about death, so that it's not too late when you meet him. And you have to live the second death. And the fever that goes behind him, I believe, is a tribulation. So I just believe God is actually saying to us, this is a time you've got to just make sure you're right with God. Like every single day, just live right. You've got to live. I don't know when he's coming, but I believe he's at the door. And, uh, and, and I just believe that's, that's a word God gave me. It's not my message. My message, I'm going to preach from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll give you a second to... To get there, I know we've been up and down a bit today, but I'd like us to stand for the reading of the word. Paul says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, and I may present you, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest someone as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus from whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not received, you may well put up with it. Just stay. I'm just going to read uh, just another verse from Galatians chapter 1. Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not 
another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then we preach to you, let him be accursed. And if we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For now I do not persuade, for do I now persuade men or God? The word of God. You can be seated. And Father God, as we come to your word now, Father God, we ask that you would make this word live, that Father God, that you would speak, you would encourage, you would exhort, you would correct, and Father God, that Lord, we just thank you that the entrance of your word, it brings light, it brings healing, it brings hope. And Father God, all the weeds that are in our heart, that get in our heart, Father God, let your word uproot them. Father God, everything that is false, everything that is not of you, everything that we believe that is not of you over the years, Father God, I ask today the word of God will come and uproot everything that is not you and leave only the seed of truth, the seed of truth alone that keeps us free in Jesus' mighty name. In me, just, Paul, Paul writes this, and he's, as I said, he's speaking about false teachers, not only false teachers, false teachers who come, and he was so concerned about this, by the way. And, and, and Paul, even towards the end of his life, you see it in Acts chapter 20, I think verse 28 or 29, he's, he says towards the end of his life, he says, I know, and he's praying for the Ephesians church, and he says, I've poured my life into you, I've preached the real gospel, but I know as soon as I die, as soon as I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, false teachers, are going, he says, they're going to come in from outside, and he said, some are going to be raised up from within. And he says, they're going to come, and they're going to come like wolves with sheep's clothing. They're going to come as angels of light, seeming like they have the real, but they're going to bring to you a different gospel, which I preached. And he was so concerned about that. And, and I believe that I have the same burden today because I'm hearing things. I'm hearing things from other men of God. I'm hearing things from pastors that, that I've known for a long, long time. And I'm hearing things that are new but which concern me greatly. And every true shepherd should be, as verse 2 says, jealous for you, jealous for his people with godly jealousy. For I betroth you, Paul says, I betroth you to one husband and I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Every pastor, his goal should be that each and every person that is under him, when they are presented to Christ, they are pure, they are right. doesn't matter what happens to you in this world, but when you meet Jesus Christ, he says, well done, good and faithful. That is the heart of every shepherd. Paul had that heart and he says, I'm jealous for you that you, you are not perverted by another gospel. And I have been around long enough to know how subtle the enemy is. is. And just because someone uses the name of Jesus doesn't mean it's the real Jesus. So he speaks here about there is another Jesus. I know there's a new age Jesus some people minister today. It's a different power. You can taste it. And he says, when that, when that another Jesus preacher brings another spirit. And the spirit manifests things that never happened to Jesus and it never happened to Paul. And he says, and then it's another gospel. And, and, and he says, I'm jealous that the real gospel doesn't come in with another spirit. I remember years ago, there were many, many years ago, 
there was a guy doing the rounds. I'll tell you who he was. His name was um, Todd Bentley. Remember met many years ago. And people would say, this guy is so powerful. You know, and, and he's just, he's raising the dead and he's doing all these things. And they said to me, you've got to, some pastors even from the coast said, you've got to, he's having a revival in Lakeland and you've got to go and sit under him and you've got to go and hear it and, and, and be under this man's ministry. And I, I, I went online and I listened to it. And the preaching, none of it was about Christ. It was all about an angel. And then this guy said, uh, you come here, miracles are going to happen. Mind you, there are false miracles. And all the preaching was about this angel called Emma. And, and, and someone said, why you preach Emma, not Christ? He says, because everyone's bored with Christ. They need to believe in the supernatural now. And I heard it. And I said to people, they're embarrassed now. I said, this is not the gospel. It's a different spirit working in this guy. And still today, some people say, oh, you can't speak against it. Let me just tell you something. If you call something that is of the Holy Spirit evil or demonic, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But the other side of the coin is, if you call something that is of a different spirit, the Holy Spirit, you also blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It works both ways. And people were saying, you've got to go over to this, this place and you've got to hear this guy. And, and, uh, and I watched online, there was like this hippie spirit. People were like going in a trance and they were singing the same words like for an hour. And I said, this is not the real gospel. In the end, I tell you, that man, he went to Pakistan. And he tried to sleep with so many pastors' wives. And still, the crowd that supported him would not disown him till he was brought before a council of Pentecostal spirit-filled men and they said, he is not a true minister. After he'd been into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches claiming to be a, a, a bringer of the true gospel. I say that not because I try to put anyone down, but I'm just saying, Jesus said in the end times, the great danger to the church is not going to be a lack of power, it's going to be deception. And there will be people who come and present the false gospels. And, and, and Paul is saying, you know, uh, I, I praise God that we, we, and I've had people around me in this church that we, we, only, we don't have an agenda. We just want to be authentic. And if, by the way, if you keep the word straight, if you keep the gospel straight, that's when doors open. Revelation chapter 3, because you have kept the word, I've given you an open door. Just because somebody comes and says the name of Jesus, just because they say gospel, doesn't mean they are preaching the true gospel. In this day and age, you must hear that because there are, there are so many gospels around now that I'm hearing. First, there, there is firstly the gospel of signs and wonders, which doesn't preach repentance or righteousness, but just preaches miracles and you know, supernatural experiences without any focus on righteousness or the gospel. Just wants power. It's false. It, it sounds good, but it's ultimately a false gospel. 
there is the gospel, uh, which is now doing the round called Quizlam, where it's being preached now that, that as uh, Esau and Jacob were brothers that in the end reconcile, Esau went on to be the father of Islam and the Arabs, and, and Jacob was the father of Israel, but in the end they had a reconciliation. There's, this is being preached now that towards the end time, Christ, Christianity and Islam are going to reconcile and that, that basically all roads lead to God. That's being preached now. There's a new one being preached as well. Uh, someone rang me two weeks ago. It's called the Cosmic Christ. That's basically uh, Christ is, is not... We, we've missed it when we focus on personal salvation. Christ's goal is cosmics, to redeem the cosmos. You know, all cre- they use the scripture, all creation groans for redemption. So Christians should now be so engaged in environmentalism and it's all about, you know, activism and, uh, and having the right ideology. And we've got to abandon the focus on holiness and etc. That is coming into the church. What is also coming into the church... <coughs> Is, uh, it, this is, this is, by the way, it's not new, but it's a hyper-grace movement. And, it, and it's actually started many, many years ago by a guy called, a German guy called someone Crisp. And it's, it was, it's basically antinomianism, an age-old heresy. And, uh, and, and this, this basically teaches that uh, it doesn't matter. Once, you, once you've come to Christ, you can sin, and, and sin doesn't matter what you do, you can never be damned. You can just sin... And you can sin, and you can sin. And, uh, and this guy who invented this, this doctrine, uh, he used the name of Jesus all the time. And he was a very, very noble man. Just because someone is pious and virtuous and noble, and they use the name of Jesus, doesn't mean they're right. And this guy, he, he preached, and he, and he would say, Give me Christ, not sanctification. Give me Christ, not prayer and promises. Give me Christ and not prayer. Give me Christ alone. And, you know, when you hear it, it just sounds so good. And it sounds so freeing. And it sounds, and he had all these scriptures to back it up. But it's come back into the church now. And, and I've heard men preach today that you, it doesn't matter about sin anymore because Christ died for your sin. Sin is dead. As soon as you sin, you're, you're pardoned. There is no need for repentance. And if you preach repentance and holiness, you're putting a burden on people that God is unpleased with. And this basically teaches you can sit in a pit of darkness, you can sit in a pit of sin, and it makes no difference to God at all because sin is dead and Christ dealt with it. And, 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 and it basically teaches that there is no... Christ dealt with sin. There's nothing we've got to do with or about the subject of sin anymore. And you're going to heaven, but don't expect your life to change. Don't expect to have any victory over sin. It teaches to be forgiven and just continue to sin, and sin, sin is completely normal. That is, the, that is normal until you get to heaven. So there's no talk about resisting the devil and he will flee to you. There's no talk about authority and power. There's no talk. Like 1 John 2 says, it actually speaks about, uh, it doesn't say when we sin, 
1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, he has an advocate. John didn't assume that people were defeated and sitting in their sin. All he, he assumed that they had the Holy Spirit. They'd received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was the power to overcome sin. And they were walking in that. But men now are coming in saying, no, 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 these people, if people teach you there's victory, it's dangerous. You, you've just got to relax. You've just got to live your life. You've just got to be happy. Don't worry about sin. God's dealt with it. Sin is dead. Just live your life. And people, I, I, big, big ministries. I know there's a big guy in states I, I don't know about his ministry i don't follow him but a big guy i just saw it, his name the other day creflo dollar he's saying now you you don't have to tithe anymore because god doesn't require anything from us we just got to live and be happy but you just think that this if you god wants god's will is for you to have a good marriage it doesn't just happen there are things that you've got to do but this this new doctrine is coming and saying you don't have to do anything you don't have to do anything because Christ did it all for you. Relax. Don't be uptight about your sin. Be happy. Live your life. You're heaven bound. And it is a different Jesus they're preaching. It is a different spirit. It is a different gospel. And we, I just believe God wants us to have a, a wake up today. And, and understand what the true gospel really is. We can't recognize the false lest we know the true. And let me just say, the true gospel, the true gospel, this is why we have this cross in the church. The true gospel is not just focused on Christ. The true gospel is focused, the center of it is the cross of Christ. That's why the cross is the most recognized symbol in all of the world. It's because it's the place of universal redemption. It's a place where God did his most important thing ever and, and ever will. It's a place where man is redeemed. And Paul says about false teachers. This is what he says. It's really interesting. He says, false teachers are not the enemies of Christ. He says, brethren, many walk of whom I've told you. Philippians 3.18 and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. So false teachers, they, they may preach Christ, but not the cross of Christ. Because it's the cross of Christ. It's the cross that is the offense to men. The cross is the offense to the human mind. It's the offense to our flesh because it calls, it, the cross calls all our flesh to die. And what, 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 what the true gospel is, the true gospel begins with Christ at the cross and it calls us where he died for your sin and it calls you first to come to the cross. It calls you, the gospel calls you out of your sin to repent of your sin, to come to the cross for forgiveness. That's the gospel. But it goes beyond that. The gospel calls us to the cross, but then the gospel calls us through the cross. 
And why there is so little power in the church today is because many, many, many are hearing the call, come to the cross, be forgiven, receive its benefits, but they are not hearing the second message that you've got to come to, but also go through the cross. And what I mean by going through the cross, when Christ died, he hung on that cross and he died, we are meant to go with him into that tomb and die with him. When he went into the grave, you and I are meant to go into the grave with him. We are meant to go in, our flesh is meant to die, our old man has got to die, and unless we go in and die with him, we cannot emerge in newness of life. But that's the gospel. It's coming to the cross, and then it's going through the cross, and when you go through the cross, you pick up a cross. You pick, this is why Jesus said in Luke, you can see it in Luke chapter 9 verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow him. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So when we come to the cross, we are forgiven, yes. But we also come to the cross to pick up a cross. And as, as Jesus said, unless you, come, unless you want to come after me, follow me into heaven. You must deny yourself and pick up your cross. So many people are defeated because they come to receive the benefits, but they don't pick up the cross. And when you say pick up the cross, Jesus says you've got to deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow me. What does deny yourself mean? It's not just, you know, in your flesh saying, well, I won't do this, and I won't do that, and I won't, I'm going to do it. It's more than that. It's about death, the cross. It actually, it, God wants to bring you to a place where... You want newness of life. And for newness of life, there has to be a death. And so when you deny yourself, you actually come to a place where you go, I have realized that if I stay as I am, if I'm in my own strength, if, if I continue, I can accomplish nothing. That my flesh can do no good thing. I need Christ to do it through me. I need the newness of Christ's life in me. My life has to end. That's why John the Baptist says, I must decrease that he must increase. To deny yourself means to deny Confidence in yourself. It means deny you have any confidence in your flesh anymore. You know if it's not the Holy Spirit coming through you, it's going to account to nothing. God wants to bring you to that place where your self-confidence dies, your, your old habits dies, your flesh dies, that you may have his life, newness of life in you. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. It's not the gospel I come to be forgiven that I go back and my old man still reigns and lives the old way and all my fleshly desires and, and ambitions for my business get fulfilled. That is not the gospel. The gospel is all about Christ. It's all about being forgiven, but it's all about going on through until we die. We go into that grave. We die daily to self. We die daily to flesh until Christ's new life emerges. And, and it's a daily thing. That his life starts to reign and rule in me and, and Christ is, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the gospel.
That is the gospel. Our flesh is crucified. I go into that grave. My will is crucified until it becomes his will. And you know, unless we go, if we just come to the cross but don't go through the cross, you're never really free. But when we come to the place where we know I've got to die to myself, I've got to die to sin, I've got to die to anything but the will of, of God. This is the place of true freedom. And, it, and it's a place of true peace. And if we don't come to that place, we have a false peace. And I believe many people today in the church, they have a false peace. It, as Jeremiah says, there's a peace, peace that there is no peace. Because the, the new hasn't come through. The old man is still reigning. Paul says, I died with Christ. Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. And then he says, but after that, I was raised with Christ. I was raised with Christ. When you come through the cross, not just to the cross. It's only then you will know the power of God. And a lot of people, they want power, but they don't want Christ. But when you've actually been through and you die daily and you go to that place where you go, my flesh and my desires, I know they're there, but they're going to die. That's wrong motives. What's in my heart has to die. It's as you live in that place to the degree you live in the place and to the degree that the cross, the cross is in your life daily, is to the degree that you can know the power of God. There is no power. There is no power of resurrection without the cross. There is no, the, the power of the resurrection comes after the cross. It follows the cross. But when someone is living in that place where they are actually saying daily that Christ, I know my own desire, my own self-centered, I want it to die and I need your life to come forth. To the degree someone lives like it, to the degree the anointing and the power of God will rest upon your life. There is no power without cross. There can be no power without the cross. That's why I've seen many movements that actually don't preach the cross. You see movements, you see great spectacles sometimes in movements, and there's a lot of manifestation, there's a lot of manifest, but there's no deliverance. Manifestation without deliverance where the cross is not preached, where the cross is not central. The true gospel brings us to the cross, and it takes us through the cross where I die daily. But I die, die daily with a purpose. I die daily that the life of Christ, I die that his life may more emerge in and through me. That's the gospel. That's the aim. And, and let me just say that every false gospel have a few things in common. And this is so you know when you, because everyone's on the internet, everyone's listening to things today on, online. The, the, the things that the false gospel have in common is that in all, well, you see Paul says, uh, 
I preach the gospel to you free of charge. One of the great evidences of, of people who are preaching false things is the love of money. They want to charge for everything. Everything's, everything costs money. The gospel could be free, should be free. To present it's not always free, but the gospel is free. It should be free. You should never be charging someone. Praise God, whenever we've gone to do these meetings, it's all free. We pay for it all because the gospel should be free. But here's the thing. Where the gospel is not pure, where the gospel is a false gospel, I believe one of the evidences is the fear of God is, is constantly undermined. The, the attitude is, don't be so uptight, don't be so worried about sin, just, just relax and live. And don't be concerned about obedience, don't be concerned about living uh, uh, up to a certain standard, just relax. Just relax. And any, any kind of talk about the fear of God is considered religious. It's, it's dumbed down. Fear of God is dumbed down. And what is emphasized? The love of God. And of course, we, we need the love of God because if we do sin, we go to him to be forgiven. That's, we, we must know the love of God in our life. Shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. But it's the fear of God it's not the love of God, it's the fear of God that stops you from sinning. It's only the fear of God. I, I, I want to say, look, Paul says here, after he says, I'm jealous of you, I say, I fear lest some, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. What does that mean? How, how, how did God come to Adam and Eve in the garden in the first place? And what kept her before she fell? Uh, you, you may be surprised. In, in uh, Genesis chapter 2, you find God comes. In verse 16, the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the government you may eat freely, of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. There you go. Eve was under the command of God, and he said, you shall not eat, and you shall surely die. This is the same God that, you know, wiped out all of humanity, just kept Noah. He means what he says. <laughs> the fear of God. Fear of God is so essential. It's the only thing that stops you sinning. While she feared God, she didn't sin. While she feared God meant what he said, she didn't sin. But how, how did the serpent get her into the place where she sinned? How did the serpent get her there? I'll tell you what he said. God said, you shall surely die. She feared him. And then the serpent came and distorted that word and said to her in verse 4 of chapter 3, you shall, you will not surely die. He said, you will just, he said, basically, you know, this word you've heard, it's too harsh. It's too sharp. This, this idea you have of God that, that he's, he's going to 
kill you, that you're going to die. It's, it's too harsh a word. Surely. You, you, you want to put that aside. And because she had lust in her heart. If you have lust in your heart, you'll be deceived. Because she had lust in her heart. Eve wanted, she wanted to hear something different. This is the original itching ears. You know, God says, you're going to die. And the servant comes and says, ah, oh, i got something better. You, you don't want to go to that church that tells you that God's only going to bless you if you obey him. There's someone else over here that actually says that it doesn't matter how you live. That's not what God's like. You don't have to fear God. You have to obey him. You don't have to trust him. You just have to live good, just live it up. And, and he's saying, God's not like that. You, you, you're not going to die. But it was the fear of God that was actually keeping her alive and free. And when groups start undermining the fear of God, and they undermine, you know, Jesus, the, the thing that he walked in, Isaiah 11, it says, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of this, the spirit of, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Jesus Christ walked in the fear of his father. And whenever something's going to come and be brought in that is not the gospel, one of the evidences, the fear of God starts being watered down. Fear of God's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God, that he's not Santa Claus, that he's not, he actually means what he says and he says what he means. And he does what he says. That's the first thing. Second thing about a first gospel is the aim. The aim ought be to be you and I, we come, Christ died for us, we come to the cross to be forgiven, then we go through the cross that my flesh might die and he may live in me. My goal, my aim is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's my goal. Where the goal is not to be conformed to Christ, where the goal is not to have Christ come and live and manifest in me, you're listening to something, where that is subjugated, where that's not the main thing, there's likely a false gospel getting in. There's many people, the aim is blessing. The aim is prosperity. The aim is my dreams. The aim is power. But the aim is that Christ might be seen in me, that Christ might manifest through me. It's all about Christ in me, the hope of glory. That I be conformed. That's what I'm after. I'm not after stuff. I'm not after platforms. I'm after Christ in me. That's the main game of the gospel. That his life may be formed in me and I may manifest him to the world. In all his purity, in all his principles and in all his power. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son." that he might be the firstborn among many people. You know, when you, you know why it, it's so wonderful to be conformed? When your goal is Christ, and when you're, you, you want 
Not platforms, not power, not prosperity, but you actually want Christ. That's where the power is. That's why when the sons of Sceva couldn't bring deliverance and the demons beat them up, the demons said, Christ we know and Paul we know. It means that they, he's, the demons saw Christ in Paul. They were Im- he was an image bearer, therefore he could bring deliverance. But that should be our goal, like Paul, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Christ was completely obedient to his Father. Christ was not of this world. He was an ambassador. That's what our goal should be. That's what the gospel calls us to, for yourself to die and for Christ to emerge. Here's another sign of a false gospel. Uh, Mark chapter 7. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees in chapter 7 of Mark, uh, they're having trouble with Jesus' disciples because Jesus' disciples don't follow their traditions. And, and some groups are more wed to their traditions than they are to Christ. Their, their traditions. You know, the Salvation Army, they've got their traditions. They don't baptize and they don't do communion because of their traditions, even, the, even though the Word of God tells you to do it. Their, their traditions become more important than Christ. And, and here are the, the, the Pharisees, and they're saying like, well, how is it? How is it that your disciples, they don't wash their hands? Because we, and every godly person, washes their hands. Godliness is next to cleanliness. And, and then Jesus says, he says, well, the desire prophesy of you hypocrites, that is written. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Then he goes on to basically say later, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but things which come out of him, those are the things which defile him. Then he goes in verse 21 to say, For from within, out of the heart of man proceed all evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, lewdness, pride, foolishness. All the things that come from within a man defile him. False gospels. There there are so many things people preach. And, And Jesus is saying to these things, all the things you do, Pharisees, if they don't change the heart, they're in vain. Right? You, you may know all about the coronavirus. You may know all about the Illuminati. You may all know all about the Bilderberg Group. None of that is going to change your heart. It's all false. I don't care what they're doing. God's with you. It's not going to affect you. Live by faith. But all Gospels, all things preached that don't change your heart are false. The Holy Spirit, Christ, when we come and die daily and we're not living for ourselves, the Holy Spirit comes in and changes the heart from the inside out. My heart, selfishness is being removed. 
You know, lust is being removed. Anxiety is being removed. My heart is being changed. The wickedness, Jeremiah says, my heart is desperately wicked. My heart is being changed by the Holy Ghost when I've received the true gospel. I am being transformed from glory to glory. But if your heart, not your head, not the amount of information you have, not that you know all the secret things going on behind. If your heart is not being changed, it's worthless. Every gospel that does not change your heart, the core of your being, it's worthless. I, I, don't, I don't care how many experiences you've had. You can lay on, I've seen people come to these meetings and they talk about the angel and the God. They lay on the floor for hours and they get up. I've seen this for years. And they come back and do it all again, but their life doesn't change. It's worthless. It is worthless. Whatever's going on, the only thing that impresses me, if you get the Holy Spirit, you change. You change. You become more like Christ. And that's what God wants to do. You know, if you get Christ, you get everything. You get the nature of Jesus Christ, you get everything. It, you, you know, we are, we are living in a day. Sounds like a hard word today. Last week, you got to jump around. Two, three hours, just praising God. But the Holy Spirit's just really quickened to me how uh, perilous, as Paul says, perilous times. In the end days, men will be lover themselves, lovers of, lovers, of, uh, lovers of money with a form of godliness, but denying its power. Form of godliness, form of religion, using the name of Jesus, but not being changed, not experiencing the power that changes your life. And I believe, you know, there's, as Jesus died, there was two thieves on the cross. Two thieves, one either side of Jesus. I, I believe these two thieves represent two different gospels. One thief says to Jesus, while he's dying for the sin of the world, he says, if you're the son of man, get us down. If you really are who you are, get us down off the cross. And the other thief who was dying, both of them were guilty. Both of them were condemned. Both of them had no good works. They'd just been rotten people their whole lives. They're, they're, they're guilty and they've been condemned to death. But one man said, Jesus, if you, if you could just get me out of this, I'll follow you. And the other man said, his eyes were opened. And he, he basically said to Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. And I see who you are. You're dying here. You've never done anything wrong. Today, will you receive me into paradise? And those two responses, I believe, represent the true gospel, and every false gospel. Every false gospel wants self to be empowered, to get something. 
But the real gospel looks at Jesus Christ and says, Oh, whether you ever do anything for me ever, you are the one God promised who came to redeem us, who came to save us. And I'm going to trust you today. And that one was saved. Only one of them was saved. I, I, I just want to ask you today. If you, if you are, have you experienced and are you experiencing ongoing transformation? Are you experiencing ongoing newness of life? New creation? Are you experiencing the power of God in your life, giving you victory over sin? Doing impossible things for you? The power of God bringing blessing and prosperity to your family? The power of If that's not real, it's likely the reason it's not real is that you have only ever come to the cross but never gone through the cross. You've heard a gospel where you've come and you've received forgiveness for your sin, but you've never said, I got to die from here. I got to go into the grave with Christ. I got to go into the tomb. My life has to end, completely end. I have to give up my will that the new creation, the new will, Christ's will, Christ's life may emerge in me. It may be, even if you're listening online, you've only ever come to the cross and you're frustrated because the real peace, you know, when you come to the cross and you go through the cross, you not only receive peace with God, but every day you receive the peace of God. Transcends understandable, understanding. If you've only been to the cross, you, you, you may make it into heaven. You may make it into heaven. But all the promises, peace like a river, joy unexplainable, power, great relationships, a transformed heart, a totally transformed life, a constantly changing person till you come to the fullness of Christ. Those things you won't be experiencing. There'll be a frustration. But when we come to the cross and go through the cross and say, okay, I realize the cross is not only for my benefit, it's something that I've got to carry. It's something that daily I've got to apply to my own carnal desires, for my own evil thoughts, to my own self-centeredness, to my own lusts, to my own anxieties. Daily, I've got to die. Daily, I've got to deny that I am any good on my own. 
Daily, I've got to deny the lie that I can do anything apart from Christ. But when we actually come to that place, we say, okay, I'm going to go through the cross. Then the power of God, the power of resurrection. The power of resurrection came after Christ died on the cross. The power of resurrection, the supernatural power of God, only comes into a life that is cross-bearing. This is the real gospel. The real gospel is all about that. It's not just about Jesus. It's not just about his promises. It's not just about his blessings. Not just about his love. Not just about his goodness. All that's true and real. But the real gospel is focused there. I know you've been to the cross. Have you been through it? I, 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 I know today God wants to do a deeper work in us. And I, I, I fear as a pastor, the great fear I have as a pastor is that there be people who came to my church week in, week out and weren't really saved. Second fear I have is that people who come to the church would be saved but we would live a Christian life without any expectation or experience of victory. There is complete victory. You're not meant to just live in your sin forever. If we come and say, I will pick up my cross, the power of God will come into your life. You've been given authority and power. And you'll become an overcomer of sin. You'll become someone who reigns in life, who reigns over sin, who says, I'm no longer defeated. I no longer have to go to that place. I no longer have to do anything because there's something come into me. The power of God has come into my life and I'm no longer under that thing. I'm walking over it in victory today. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But the power only comes after the cross. Let's stand. God wants to. God wants to produce all the goodness, all the likeness of his son in your life. That's why he called you. Is that your aim? To be conformed to Christ? Is your heart changing? Is your heart being changed? I believe today God is actually saying to you, God is actually saying, I want to give you my power. I want to give you my power. I want to give you the life of my son in its fullness. He was an overcomer. He was not a defeated man. He says, the devil had nothing in me. Devil couldn't touch him. Sin couldn't touch him. And the reason was, the cross was always his goal. It was always the center. It was always the purpose.
I believe God's saying, come make the cross the center again. Maybe for the first time. Come make the cross the center. And you will know his power. There is no other way. You will know his person. But there's no other way. What's that song? Simply to the cross. Humbly forget. Simply to the cross I cling is a second line. If you've never been through it, but only to it, you come today. Say to God today. Today. Today I will deny myself. Today I want that cross to be the center of my life. I want to be someone who dies daily. I want my flesh, myself to be crucified. That this new life may come forward. That is the purpose. If that's you, you come forward. And I believe. I believe you're going to know power like you've never known before. I believe you're going to know Christ like you've never known because of the cross. Amen? Let me pray. Father God, I want to bless you and I praise you. You've got victory for every single person in this room. But Father God, your, des not, your desire is that no one be, should be living under sin but should be reigning over the top of it. Father God, your desire is that nobody should be remaining the same, but being changed from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Father God, your desire here is that each and every person be changed so that people can see your Son in and through them. Father God, all of that comes. All of that comes through the cross. May I... Father, continue to die daily that I may know, Lord, your power and your person. I bless you for what you're doing. And we praise you. We praise you. You sent Jesus. He is our model. He is the one we follow. You want to give us all that he had. But the key is the cross. Father God, help us each day. Help us each day to apply that cross that that transformation may be real, may be ongoing. I pray it in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands and praise Him. He is good. He is real. He's got great things in store for us.